worshiping him. We're going to continue to worship him and honor him. Thank you again for, for being here this morning. Thank you for joining us online. We're so grateful that you are a part of what God is doing here. If you want to be better connected with our church and you've never filled out a connect card, you can do that right now online. You can fill that out. Or if you're watching, we'd love for you to hit the watch button and let us know how many of you are watching. We'd sure love to know that. And then giving. I want to talk about giving for a moment. There is a lot of tragedy going around America right now. And I believe it's our part to always be ready to do something. The Word of God gives us that privilege. It says if you have the power to help, then you should do it. And I want us to take a moment here. We, this morning before our service, we were praying uh, for the fires that were taking place in the west. There was the hurricane still to the south. And the Assemblies of God has a great program called Convoy of Hope, where they immediately, anytime a tragedy happens anywhere in America, they send truckloads of supplies and food and helpers and volunteers to help in the process. So if you would like to participate and join Tara and me this morning in giving, if you're here, you could use an envelope and just write relief next to it, and everything you give will be sent directly to the Convoy of Hope, and Convoy of Hope will take all of that and it will go directly to helping people in need with the hurricane, first of all, and then I think uh, eventually for sure with the fires in the West. But I know for me, uh, I've been praying, I, I'm sure you've been praying, but there's some other things I just say, okay, God, we, we've got to do something, and and we have to do that. And that's the exercise of the church. You saw the church. You know, there is this, e I could go off on a tangent here for a moment, and I'll try not to. But in the New Testament church, there was this sense and there was this realization of financial equality in the church. And I'll just leave it at that, and I'll let you chew on that. But here's my point in saying that. Uh, we need to make sure that we take care of those who are in need. And if we have blessing, and if that means I don't go shopping uh, for a new shirt this week, then so be it. I don't need another new shirt when people have lost all of their shirts. All right, that's just, a, you know, just an example of how our mindset should be, right? You know, I, don't, I, can, I can eat one apple a week when somebody has lost all of their apples. You get what I'm trying to say? There's this sense of equality. So when people are in need, I always want to be quick to respond. And so anyway, I just wanted to share that with you. Of course, you know, uh, I won't always take that time to explain that, but being your new lead pastor, I do want to take moments to just share my heart with you. And in the, in the years to come, when we talk about relieving and responding to that, I may not share as much, but this was kind of my first opportunity to share how I see people in, our, in, in America when they're going through tragedy and how I view it. And I pray you will view it the same way. So if you'd like to join in giving, you can do it online. You can give your tithes and offerings. And you can also give and add uh, relief down there if you'd like to give to the relief. And as I said here today, if you'd like to give, use an envelope. And uh, you can, as you're leaving today, give there. Well, this morning's message is going to be a challenge for our church. Uh, last week, I kind of was giving some encouragement and how we can see the big church, how we can see the, the church of America, how we should see our brothers and sisters in Christ who don't go to a Sons of God church, who don't go to the same style of church that maybe we go to, and how we should view our brothers and sisters in Christ. And there's a lot of differences out there, 
and how God has commanded us to be peacemakers. But today I'm focusing on us this morning, on you online, and how we are a part of a church family at Calvary, and how I want us to function. I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of a family. I came here with the desire to be not just a pastor. I didn't come here just to preach sermons. I didn't come here just to be a, a part of a church. I wanted to be a part of a family. That's what I'm interested in building here. That's what I'm interested in being a part of. I want to be a part of a family. And so this morning's message, I'm, I'm going to be encouraging us how to make that uh, successful here, how we can develop a family, how we can continue, because I do believe I've experienced being a part of a family already, and I want to build on that. Now, some of the experts are telling us that things could potentially get worse, and there are a lot of signs out there that say, yeah, it's, it, it very easily could get worse in 2020, but this is what I know that as long as you and I are committed to the family of God, and as long as we are a part of the family and we're building our family stronger, we will not only survive worst-case scenarios in 2020, but we will thrive through our, these difficult times in America. I believe that God's kingdom cannot be shaken. I believe that we are a part of the family of God, and as the family of God, we can have utmost confidence that the head of the family is on the throne. He is not being removed. He will not be removed. His kingdom is not up for, and his, his authority is not up for election. His authority is not up for debate. His authority will not be defeated, but the authority of Jesus Christ is strong and will remain strong all the days of our life on this earth, and then we'll get into heaven and, be, and we will see him face to face. So as being a part of the family of God, we can, have that, we can have that security today. We can have the hope today. We can have confidence today. And we can have the joy of the Lord knowing that you and I are part of the family of God. And with Jesus Christ as the head of our family, he's going to bring us through. He's going to supply all of our needs. You can be confident of this, that his plans for us, they are not to harm us. No matter what you see on the news, no matter what your job will tell you, no matter what your stock report or portfolio is telling you right now, you can be confident that Jesus Christ is going to bring his family through. And he's going to help us to thrive through this. So we can be confident of that. And that's why I want us to continue to build on the family of God. So this morning I want to share a scripture verse, some verses from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. If you have your Bible, you can turn into 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We'll have the verses for you. But uh, ver I'm going to be reading in verse 17. And there are some, some bad things taking place in these verses that I'm going to read to you. Let me read them. Verse 17 says, but in the following instructions, I cannot praise you, for it sounds as if more harm than good is done when you meet together. First, I hear that there are divisions among you when you meet as a church, and to some extent, I believe it. But of course, there must be divisions among you so that you, will, you who have God's approval will be recognized. When you meet together, you are not really interested in the Lord's Supper. For some of you hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. 
there are some serious problems happening in this church. In this Corinthian church that was blessed with the Spirit of God and the work of the Holy Spirit, who had experienced miracles of God and the provision of God, and now they're messing things up. The Corinthians were taking things that were meant to build each other up, and they were actually using them to tear each other down. The very things that were supposed to be honoring Christ, the very things that were supposed to be honoring each other, they were now destroying each other and causing conflict. It kind of reminds me of Disney World. My parents have a timeshare in Orlando. And uh, so Tara and I, and now Alexandra, every year we, we spend a week there, and she loves Disney World. But it's so amazing when we go there, and we're, we're in line, and many times, as you know, if you've been there, you sit in line sometimes. And I love my daughter. She has no problem being in line. But there are a lot of arguing and complaining and crying and just people getting upset with each other, and you could just hear it. it. It's so loud, and you're just like, you're missing the point of being at Disney World. Like, this is supposed to be what they call the happiest place on earth. We know it's not the happiest. It is a fun place to be. I'll agree with that for sure. But here they are supposed to be enjoying a family vacation, and they're arguing, and they're complaining with each other. And that's exactly what's happening with the Corinthian church the very thing that's supposed to be encouraging them and lifting them up is actually tearing them down. It's actually causing them to separate from each other. It's causing problems. And so Paul is saying, we've got to deal with this issue. Here you are taking the bread, which is representative of the body of Christ. Jesus, who suffered and died on the cross, and now you're over here indulging and eating as much food as you want while somebody else is starving. Here they are taking the, the juice and their, what was representing the blood of Christ that was spilt for our sins. And now they're drinking it to get drunk. And others are going without. They're missing the whole point of the Lord's Supper. And Paul says, I don't even think you're interested in the Lord's Supper. What are you interested in today? Why did you come today? And again, I think this whole uh, pandemic is causing us to rethink things. And I hope a part of your rethinking is thinking about the purpose of life and the purpose of church. And what are you really interested in accomplishing today? I think that's a good question to ask. Now, I want you to make sure that we understand this is a message that we're not pointing fingers. But we're taking our finger and we're pointing it right here and we're saying, God, speak to me. How have I used things that were supposed to build people up and how have I used them to tear people down in any way? And I don't think anything major has happened. I, without a doubt, believe this church is, this could be one of the messages that I could have said, well, you know, you could probably skip that one. But it was an important message because it's just some laying some groundwork and some framework as to how I want us to build our family here. So what the Corinthian church did is they had something that was good, something that was fresh, something that smelled good and tasted good, and they allowed it to get sour. They allowed the, uh, the oxygen to come in and, and kind of rot what was good. And this doesn't happen just in church. This can happen in any part of our life. This can happen in any one of the relationships you have. It especially can happen in your job, in your neighborhood, 
and it's happening in America, something that was so good and so precious and how it loses its freshness. So this is what I'm, I want to ask you today. I want you to be a lemon in Lamont for Jesus. How many of you can be a lemon in Lamont for Jesus? I think there's a reason why we live in Lamont. And this might be, uh, I was talking to the guys yesterday about vision, and I, I think this might be the vision right here. We're going to be lemons for Jesus. Now let me explain this. My wife and daughter love avocados. I do not, for the record. I do not like avocados, so don't bring me avocados. <laughs> uh, you can, I'll just give them to Tara and Alexandra. But I don't like avocados, but I will cut them up and get them ready for their meal. And sometimes I'll only half of, av av of an avocado. And so I'll cut the half, and I'll leave the pit on the side that we're not, they're not going to eat. And what else would I put inside there before I put it into the Ziploc baggie? Put a little lemon juice. You squeeze a little lemon juice in there. Why? Because the lemon juice preserves the goodness and the freshness of that avocado. There is no doubt in my mind that there are many things that you're a part of, that we're a part of, that has lost its freshness. One of the sad tragedies still here in America is one out of two marriages ends in divorce. There are some marriages out there that have lost its freshness. It, they've lost the love and the feeling. Your job, maybe, maybe you can say, oh yeah, it's, it's not like what it used to be. And this church, is what, and the message that I'm sharing with you this morning, I never want this church to lose the freshness. I don't want us to ever decrease in love. I don't ever want us to decrease in our faith. I never want us to decrease in our commitment to each other. I want it to keep growing. I want to be a part of a growing church, a church that's growing in love together, not growing apart from each other, but becoming stronger together. That's what I want us to be. I want us to be lemons for Jesus in Lamont. And life just has a way of stealing the joy of life. Life just has a way of rotting things out. Life has a way uh, of just taking the beautiful smells and replacing it with stench. But not us, not you and me. We're going to ask God, God, give us the ability to preserve the goodness to preserve the goodness in our families, to preserve the, the hope and the strength here in America. God, use us. And I want us to focus on one thought this morning. This is the lemon juice I want us to apply in all of our relationships. And I have some application to it, but this is the main thought I want us to have. This is how we're going to preserve the goodness in this church. This is how you're going to preserve the goodness in your homes. This is how you're going to preserve the love and peace in your jobs and definitely in our country. This is it. I want you to sacrifice what you want for someone else's need. Now, this is very simple. It's not complicated, but it's really hard to live out. It's really difficult to live this out every single day of our life. Because some of us, we feel entitled. We feel like, well, today I've worked really hard. I don't need to give up what I want. I'm going to get what I want. And I'm going to ignore what somebody else needs. How many of you have ever heard of EQ? Now, I'm sure a lot of you have heard of, you know, 
your, the, your IQ, you know, how smart you are, but EQ is your emotional quality. What basically, and there's a whole teaching on this, but basically what it means is that you're very aware of your emotions and you're very aware of the emotions of other people. And how this applies is, I really, this, the best one example is food. You really are aware of when you're hungry. And when you're really aware of your hungry, we, what do we call that? You're getting hangry. You're hungry, and it's turning into anger, and, you're, and you know you're hungry, and so you're ready to do something about it, and you become focused on your need that you don't care about anybody else's need. And people with high EQ, if you have this ability to not, and most of us have a high EQ when it comes to our emotions and our needs and our wants. That's the easy part. The hard part in life is becoming really aware of other people. And this is what I want us to do in this church. I want us to be people that are really aware of what other people need to the extent that we're willing to give up our wants. I'm willing to sacrifice what I want for someone else's need. And this was not happening in the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church was not experiencing this freshness. They did not have the lemon juice at that time because they were actually not sacrificing what they wanted, but they were doing the opposite. They were indulging in what they wanted, and they totally ignored what other people were needing. And so I'm asking you to start living this out, living this out in your life, living this out in your marriage, living this out in your families, living this out in your workplaces, and obviously living this out in our communities. Start sacrificing what you want for what somebody else needs. Now, there's 100,000 applications to that simple thought. I'm just going to give you three, and then I'm just going to ask you to pray and ask God to reveal many more to you. But let's start living this out. Let's start asking God, God, to help me to sacrifice what I need to meet someone else's, or what I want to, to meet somebody else's need. Now, the first application I want to give to you today, uh, and, and let me give you a verse first. Let me give you, I'm going to give you Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 simply just says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others better than yourself. Now, this is not a verse that I'm asking you to use so that you can have low self-esteem. We already know in Christ we are heirs to God's kingdom. This is not about having low self-esteem. This is simply about adding value to other people. And that this is something that we're not really good at doing, and we need to become better at it. And if you're good at it, let's become great at it about adding value to other people. And how we do that simply is how we think about others. That's where it all starts. So again, let's use the marriage analogy. I shared with you the sad statistic of one in two marriages are still ending in divorce. Why? Because how they think about each other. What did that groom think about his bride the moment he saw her coming down the aisle? Oh, she is beautiful. I don't deserve her. I can't believe this is happening. This is the best day of my life. And then the day comes and the food's not ready. Dinner's not ready. They're getting hangry. I really want to eat. My clothes aren't washed. And all we do is fight and argue. And so what does he begin to think? I, I just don't think we're compatible anymore. 
I don't think she's the same person I married. She's definitely what, she's not what I thought she was going to be. It's how you start thinking about people. So you really need to guard your thoughts. And this applies to jobs, your boss, your, your coworkers, your neighbors. When you first met them, oh, these are the best neighbors in the world. Or, oh, I can't believe I finally got a boss that I really love. And this coworker's amazing until there's a problem. And that problem begins to arise, and what do you start thinking? Oh, how rude are they? How selfish they are. Oh, how I need a new job. I can't wait till it's 5 o'clock and I get to go home. Your thoughts. You need to guard your thoughts and what you are thinking about other people. And this morning, I really want to challenge you and encourage you to think about how you are thinking. Put effort into that idea of what, how you're looking at other people today. And the first application I want to give you, because this to me is a, a, a true, t- a, I'm going to give you three tests. This, this is the first one. But I want us to become better listeners. I want us to become good listeners. This is the first application because really what we have in America is we're all ready to talk. Few of us are really, really, truly ready to listen. I have found this, I've discovered this in life, and it's a challenge for me as a leader, as a pastor. I have found this to be one of my greatest challenges, that I'm truly listening to people. It's easy for me to look at you and smile, but it's a whole other level for me to really concentrate on what you're saying, process it, and say, God, what should I say to them? And this is something that in America we've forgotten. We're really good at talking. We're not really good at listening. And let's be reminded today, and I think God was reminding us with our own bodies that we should be better listeners than we are people who are good talkers because he gave us two ears and one mouth. So every time you look in the mirror, this should be a constant reminder. Oh, today's the day I'm going to be a better listener. I'm not going to worry about being a talker or telling people how I feel and giving my opinion and giving my thoughts. I'm going to be somebody who's really going to listen to people. That's going to be my focus today. Because when you're truly listening to somebody, what you are doing is you're setting aside what you want to say for what somebody needs to say. Let's be people who are going to be good listeners I, I, I would always share this. I do premarital counseling when I do weddings. And this was one of the things I would really focus in on is helping spouses to be good listeners with each other. And so today, receive that. And I pray that you'll receive that and that you will be a good listener. The second thing, I, I, or something, second application is I want you to sacrifice your comfort for giving the truth sacrifice your comfort for giving the truth. I have to tell you, uh, last week's message, you know, was on my heart to give to you to encourage you. And I want to tell you, I've said it to you before, and I really mean it, anytime you have anything to offer to me, whether it's correction or insight into what I'm speaking, I am always open, always. I will never shut you off from your observation of what I speak. That's called accountability, and I believe in it. And so I was speaking to one of our men in our church about my message from last week. 
and I received what he had to say. And actually added this point in there because I, I always want to be balanced. And I can't always be balanced, especially now when we're doing shorter sermons. I can't always give you the full message of a certain topic, but I can the next week. And so this week, I really wanted to encourage you with this point about sacrificing your comfort for giving the truth. Uh, Last week, I made sure that you were becoming peacemakers, and it's about the attitude that we have with people who see, who have different political views. But just because you are being a peacemaker does not mean you are silent. It's just the opposite. Do you realize true peace can only come through conflict? True peace can only come when we're talking about issues of life. True healing can only happen when we're dealing with these issues and we're speaking to each other. But I wanted to, last week was about making sure that you are always doing it in love. That you're always doing it, going back to Philippians 2, 3. That you're always being humble when you're talking about truth. That you're not arrogant. That you're not angry. We don't need to be angry about the truth. We don't need to be, you know, looking down at somebody because I have the truth and I don't think you do, so you're going to get it from me. No, it should be a a posture of love and peace that we, we share with each other. But nonetheless, I didn't want you to take that message from last week to say, oh, I don't need to say anything. Oh, no, we do need to say something. And this is one area. And this is the lemon juice that I began sharing with the men yesterday. I began to share with them the important need that we're going to develop here in this church. We're going to develop accountability. And accountability means that I will speak into your life and you will speak into mine. So that's why I'm always going to be open to your observation. And I pray you're always going to be open to mine. And that we should never be offended when we are speaking truth to each other. We should never be offended when we offer correction. But we should actually embrace it saying, wow, this person really loves me. I believe the two, a true test of friendship is that when you can say, you know what, I don't think you're seeing this the right way. And in love, you express to somebody else how they need to be corrected. And especially, you know, the highest form of this is when somebody's in sin. We talked about yesterday how somebody can fall away, and it's because people aren't dealing with the sin in their life. And the reason why people lose the freshness is because somebody's not speaking truth into them. And that's not going to be the case in this church. This church is going to be a place of accountability. And this family, how we are going to grow, somebody might say, you're going to encourage conflict? Yes. Well, that's going to sour things. No, no. True biblical conflict will actually produce greater character and a stronger family and a deeper love and appreciation for each other. That brother in Christ that came into my office This past week, I have a deeper appreciation for him because he shared with me what what somebody might have said, oh, well, why would you listen to him? He kind of sounds like he has a different view than you. But at the end of the day, when we both talked to each other, we both had the same view. We just had to, we had to talk about it. And I've been around preachers before that says, you know what, I'm speaking what I'm going to speak and you better never say anything against it. Oh, no, that's not me. And that won't be me. We need to sacrifice our comfort. And so sometimes we don't speak to each other because, oh, if I say something to them, maybe they won't consider me a friend anymore. Maybe I won't, they won't take me out to eat anymore. No, no, not here and not in this church. Sacrifice your comfort for giving the truth. 
The last one that I, I wanted to give you, like I said, there's so many other uh, applications to that idea. But the last one I, I wanted to give you was uh, the idea of sacrificing your, ro your routine for, for making new friends. Now let me share what that means here in this church. And this is a direct application uh, to this church. And this application has a lot of applications to this. But coming to church is a good habit to have. But nonetheless, it's a habit. And yesterday, oh, there goes my lemon. Oh. Yesterday, we, we, uh, we talked about this, and we talked about the importance of making sure that we're not just going through the motions, that we're not just going through a routine, but we're actually engaged in the process and even though you're online and maybe you're in your pajamas still, but you're still engaged into the Word of God and what God is speaking into you and what God is revealing to you, that even though you're outside and maybe people are riding their bikes around you, but when we're worshiping, that you're engaged and you're truly worshiping the Lord. And it can be you here in this seat too. You could be hearing this music and thinking about your grocery list. And we have to be truly engaged and so when we come to church, we have to be very cautious of our routines that we get into. And I wanted to make sure that you're willing to give up any routine to make a new friend. And that's specifically what I mean is at this church, I want to encourage you to look out for new people. And this is an interesting application because as we come back, you know, it's going to be a slow process of getting new people. But we've been having new people. And I met a new person, you know, last month, obviously. And uh, I have to share with you, I was so uh, encouraged and blessed by Jim Morris. Because I had met this individual one week, and the following week he came back. And I noticed that Jim Morris was talking to him, and he wasn't just saying, hi, how are you doing? But they were having a long conversation outside. That is the, that's the type of, of uh, activity that I want in this church that's the type of activity that keeps this church fresh. When we are looking for new people, and we're looking for new faces, and you might say, oh, man, Jim Morris, he gets a new face every time. Well, I have, an, I have another suggestion for you. It may not be a new face to the church, but it might be a new face to you. Look for somebody different. This is what I truly believe, and I live in my life. Every one of you has value to me. Every one of you is valuable to me, and every one of you can add value to my life from the children to the adults and everybody in between. There's no person who's more important than another person in my estimation. And so I look to talk to people. I look to talk to kids. I love kids. I love teenagers. Today we're going on a hike at, from Messenger Park. So if you have a teenager, don't forget we're going there. I'm going on a hike with the, the teenagers. I'm going to spend time with whoever, whenever, because I love every person in this church. And I want you to have the same heart. It's, that heart is not just the heart of a pastor. That's a heart of a believer in Christ. And I want you to have that heart. I want you to look at every person here and see great value in them. And understand, I have something to learn from them. I have something to receive from them. And I hope, yes, you have something to give to them. I want to keep this church fresh and alive. And I want to encourage you today and in your life and in your marriage and in your jobs and in this church to be lemons for Jesus 
And for us here to be lemons and Lamont for Jesus. But wherever you're at watching online. And so today I want to pray over you. That you'll preserve the goodness in your life. You'll preserve the love in your family. You'll preserve peace in America. It's a constant reminder. Preserve hope. You are people who preserve the hope. You are the light of the world. And I want to pray this over your life. Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you, Jesus, that you dealt with our sin. Our sin was going to keep us from goodness. Sin was going to keep us from joy and hope. But Jesus, you died on the cross for our sins so that we can be forgiven. And in essence, you poured out the lemon juice that we needed. Your blood was the preservation that we needed in our life so that we could hear a message from your word today and not just hear it today, but we can live it throughout the week. So God, I'm praying for every believer in Christ online, here in this room, that you will help us, help us to preserve goodness, help us to preserve love, help us to preserve peace. In a country that's being divided, may we be people who are peacemakers. And sometimes, Lord, that means speaking the truth and speaking it in love. So, God, I pray for each one here today. I pray for each one online that you will use them in mighty ways. Use them to be beacons of hope, to be a voice of truth, to be arms of love, to be feet of service. And I pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you for joining us online. We look forward to having you again next week. God bless you. We'll see you next week.